Hello, this is Hardin Coleman, faculty director for the Center for Character and Social Responsibility at Boston University's Wheelock College of Education and Human Development. You're listening to the very first season of Caring, Character, and Community, the Center's podcast. In this season, we will focus on learning from leaders about how they integrate the ethic of caring, they focus on their own and others' character development, and a commitment to serving the needs of the community in order to guide and inform their leadership decisions in times of crisis. This is part one of our inaugural season, which will focus on bringing you the perspectives of four PK through 12 leaders. On October 5th, 2021 at 7.30, you will have the opportunity to participate in a webinar with these leaders in which you can ask them clarifying questions about their approach to this important work, which will certainly be a rich conversation. You can also feel free to email me your questions to me in advance at harden.bu.edu or post in the comments sections on our Substack website, ccsr.substack.com. In today's episode, we'll be having a conversation with Dana Weeks, head of school at Germantown Friends School, who will share the importance of integrity and trust in building and sustaining a caring school community that helps children to flourish. Dana, welcome. I want to let Hi, you know Mark. how much it means to me and the Center for Character and Social Responsibility that you're willing to share your time with us and talk about the role of caring, character, and community as a leader during times of crisis. These past few years have been filled with myriad crises, uh, a pandemic, uh, political changes, conflicts throughout the world, responding to climate change, and increasing emphasis on the importance of getting equal access to a high-quality learning experience even as the definitions of equity and high quality are changing around us. You've been a leader of a PK-12 institution during this time, and we're very interested in learning how caring, character, and commitment to growing a nurturing community with students, faculty, and parents have influenced your leadership decisions. So to get going, we would like you to introduce yourself, uh, your position, and describe the institution of which you've been a leader. Great. Thank you so much, Hardin. It's uh, such a pleasure to be here, and I feel quite honored to be asked to uh, speak with you today. So, yep, Dana Weeks. I am the head of school at Germantown Friends School. Um, And as you said, we are pre-K or EC through 12th grade school. We start at two years, seven months through 12th grade. Um, We are a Quaker independent school in uh, the Germantown area of Philadelphia. And uh, we have... 1,130 students um, across two campuses in Philadelphia, one in Germantown and one in Center City, Philadelphia. And this is my ninth year leading the school. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Would you please share your journey in educational leadership? Great. Thank you. Yeah, sure would. So um, I came to Germantown Friends, as I said, nine years ago. And prior to that time, I was uh, working in a school in Brooklyn Heights, New York, called St. Anne's School, um, similar in many ways to Germantown Friends School and its uh, progressive take on education and extremely different in in many, many, many other ways. At uh, St. Anne's School, I started um, a long time ago, uh, 1989-90, as a teacher in the Department of Science, became the chair of the Department of Science, and then moved on to become the head of the upper school. And from that position, I moved to Germantown Friends School. Great, thank you. So, so what do you appreciate about your position and your institution? Are there any unique challenges you face in your role? 
Yeah. So I, may I start with the institution first, because there's so much to appreciate about it. <laughs> um, Germantown Friends School, which and we call GFS for, for those uh, who know that lingo, um, is a school and community that is just replete with folks who are extremely committed to the school's mission. And, um, and we'll probably get to this, but being a leader of a school with folks committed to the mission is really, really important because you're not steering the ship, so to speak, alone. You have this, you know, you have hundreds, perhaps thousands, um, all rowing in the same direction with you. And so I didn't know this when I started that that would be so important, but I have come to learn um, that working with um, faculty and staff and students and parents and alums who are fully committed to the work of the school, and I, I use the term mission, um, is critical. And so I am incredibly appreciative of that fact. Um, in terms of my position, it, as I think for most heads of schools or leaders, um, it is quite humbling to be able to serve in this capacity, um, to have the trust of a community of people, even though I might not have, they may not all agree with me all the time, <laughs> but to have fundamental uh, trust is, you know, again, humbling. Um, and then to have that support system of folks who are doing this work with me. It, it, sometimes I feel as though I'm the only person, but most of the time I, I know that there's, there are folks all around me who are doing this, this work together. Yeah, that's a complex paradox of, you know, being the person who has ultimate responsibility and how that feels while also being nurtured and cared for by, by, by this, this, this family. Um, it's very, very challenging. So, but how does care and being caring play into your decision-making? And also, when is that challenge? When is it a challenge to let caring be a key factor in your thinking? So it's interesting, Hardin, every time someone brings up this idea of care, I think of Nell Nodding's Ethics of Care. I mean, that's an oldie but goodie. Maybe folks still read it. I hope I did in graduate school. Um, and that just the very simple idea of putting yourself in someone else's shoes. And I think personally and as a leader, I try to do that all the time. And so when, you're, when I think about the children or even an individual student, and I think our teachers do this similarly, is you, you put yourself in their shoes and say, okay, what does this particular child need in this moment? Um, and so as a leader, I've tried to do that with all the different constituencies that you've named, but that looks different in every case, right? So what... Um, a division of the school may need, like the, our youngest learners, they're three years old, <laughs> or our upper schoolers who are, you know, they think they're, well, they, they think they run the world, <laughs> you know, everything you need to know about them. They have, they as groups, they have totally different needs and caring for them means different things at different times. So I would say that's just inherently challenging given the, the age range. But also, as a leader, our, our work is to care for the institution. And it's hard to put yourself in the feet of the institution, right? Because it's, it's, a, a, it's a thing. It's a, a very complex organization. But yet, that's our responsibility, is to care for it today so that 15 years from now or 20 years from now, the decisions we make today ensure that the mission is alive and well 15 or 20 years from now. And I only say that um, because I find that's where some of this work is most challenging. So decisions I may make 
um, that are in care of the institution, some folks may see as in um, it fail to support their own particular needs at a given moment in time today. And uh, and you know this as a leader, you, you can't always disclose all of the reasons to everybody for every decision. And so um, in a world in which we're asking for transparency all the time, that's nearly impossible. And then consequently, it looks like you may not care or I may not care. I'm not going to speak for anyone else. When in fact, I, I believe those decisions are in care of the institution. That's really a long way of answering your question. And I hope it makes some sense. Oh, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. And also brings up a, a conversation we haven't had yet is the role of trust in being caring and how those play back and forth, both the trust of the, the, the person in charge and also trust the community to assume and to accept that you're making decisions in their interests, even when uh, that may not be, uh, as you say, transparent and obvious. Yes. When you think about character, what does that mean to you? And how do you see it playing in your role as a decision maker and a school leader? So uh, character, I, if I'm gonna use it here, so what I think, when you say character, I think integrity. Um, and there's my personal integrity, of course, but there's, again, it goes right back to the mission of the school and the work that we're, we're up to or we're doing. And so when I think of character as a leader, I think what's my integrity as a leader? And am I maintaining that integrity in every decision I make? In leading this in leading this institution right so for me good character means I'm I'm working with integrity in support of and a forward movement of the school's mission all of the time uh, and I, I think there's frankly I don't know that there's any more important characteristic in a leader uh, because that's what we're hired to I mean okay on the face of it that's what we're hired to do and it's what we've said we are going to do and then in schools in particular, um, there's a lot at stake. We have children in front of us who we're caring for each and every day and families who have chosen to send their children to our school or, or because it is their public school, it's, we have a tremendous responsibility. And so I think leadership requires us to have that integrity in carrying out whatever the schools intends to do or, or its mission. So, you know, as, as part of that integrity and, and, and a place that is often challenged is that in PK or you say early child to 12 education, there are three major constituents, the students, their parents, and their teachers. They are the foundations of our community, but they each have different needs and those needs can sometimes exist in tension with one another. In your work, how do you manage and balance your commitments to each group? I hope I do it okay. I don't know. You should you should ask our friends. Um, I'll say this. I think I do it differently today than I did when I first started, and this has been a real a tremendous learning opportunity for me. Um, I now I have a team of folks with whom I work, and I have a great honor of working with every day. And it's taken time to build this team, and I trust them absolutely with everything, and I think they trust me as well. And it's, I would say it's almost impossible as a leader in schools these days <laughs> to, to meet the needs of every constituent group that you named um, for me personally to do that. 
And I think it's really important for that personal relationship. And so I think of this kind of leadership as really distributed um, and honored and held up on a pedestal. And so the folks with whom I work, they are out there helping um, to lead the school. And as a consequence, I think those groups then feel uh, better cared for. That's my my hope and my sense. If it were all up to me to have to do, I'd fail immediately. Um, and that wouldn't be good for the school. So I think you know, sharing that responsibility, but building that trust with the group of people and then sharing that responsibility, that's been a tremendous learning for me. That's such a great uh, lesson for, I think, all leaders, particularly when you come to a new school, to understand that building your team is and, and, and building that trust within a team is a key first step. And that takes time. And so the, that creates challenges. Part of the challenge of the early years is not is, is getting on the same page and building that community with the people who will represent you when you're not there and represent the school in a way that's consistent across with integrity, as you suggested earlier. Over the past several years, particularly with regard to the variety of crises educators have faced, can you give us an example how putting caring, character, and our commitment to your community as leader had a positive impact on your institution? Yeah, I, I can. I'll say it might not have had a positive impact immediately, but it ultimately did. So uh, uh, in the summer of 2020, as, as COVID was, you know, really had a foothold and schools were faced with a decision to open or not, we made a decision that we were opening un until we were told we couldn't be open by, by some greater uh, organization, you know, the state or the city. Um, and it, it was I think it was received with ambivalence by our faculty and staff and parents, you know, everyone had feelings about it, but we pushed forward. And I'll, I'll say we did so because Fundamentally, we're a school for children. And the commitment I make, I personally make every day is that if you bring me your children, I number one, I'm gonna take care of them. And two, I hope they learn something <laughs> in the course of their school day. But I, I could not really wrap my head around doing exactly what we did from March to June, 2020, again. And, I, and with my team, and we were in agreement, we were gonna do everything we could to open that school, the school, our school, um, and keep it open for as long as possible, knowing that it might only be six weeks, it could be 10 weeks. And um, I, I think that shows both our you know, commitment to the community and to the mission of the school, our care for the students, and we put tremendous um, uh, structures and protocols in place to care for our faculty and staff who really were the front line uh, on the teaching and learning. And, as a, and in retrospect, I think we made the right decisions. I think the only wrong decision we made is we were so careful in the beginning and didn't bring everyone back. And COVID rates were so low, but we thought they were so high at the time. You, we couldn't know. But I think that's an example of um, a very challenging time uh, when it would have been simpler, for sure, to be fully remote and certainly less costly. Um, but I don't think any of us believed it really was in the best interest of our children and in, in pursuit of um, really excellence in learning. You know, I, I hear a couple of themes there. One is 
as putting care of the what are the needs of the child first and foremost, and how do you bring the trusting adult community together to serve that? Those are primary foci of your work and approach. And if those two things happen together, both an appreciation of the child and the adult, that's the way you can drive real uh, powerful community that lifts people up and holds them well. Am I getting that right? Yes, I, I would say that's absolutely right. And I don't think we had that at first in terms of perhaps the faculty and staff who were curious how their care was playing into this. But I And I will say I've received a number of letters and calls from folks uh, who were not supportive. And I have equal number of letters and phone calls and messages from those same individuals who said that was the right decision and they felt really cared for. And again, it's just, um, it's not just, it's really, I, I think being steadfast once you've made a decision and you believe it's right. I mean, it's not just because it's not ego and it's not willfulness. It's really based on really good whatever your decision-making model is, but kind of sticking with it and making sure, frankly, we want all want to be safe. Um, and we made a similar decision in requiring vaccination for faculty, staff, and all eligible students, Hardin. And as of the early, early September, only two schools in the whole state of Pennsylvania had mandated that. And I think, and and I will say that's an example of a decision that the faculty and staff and parents were fully supportive of. And I think some folks thought we weren't going to get that support, but we, we, we really did. Um, again, a commitment to community and public health. It has no benefit for us. We're all masked, we're distanced, but it, we believed it was the right thing to do. Wow, that, and that's, I uh, have yeah, come back to that conversation when we're talking more about civics where a Quaker school, where the fundamental uh, belief in the individual to know truth, and then accepting in that community the ability to make a single mandate and require people to lift up their individual needs in, in favor of the community, that's a fascinating conversation throughout our country right now in the world about how do you, how do you keep that balance of individual rights and community responsibilities. So this is a great example. Thank you for sharing that. So can you give an example of a time when putting caring character and or commitment to community did not work out the way you thought it would? Yeah, I would say right now. <laughs> uh, so I, I think we used all those tenets and um, ideals in thinking about how to open school this year. And um, I don't think, I mean, I think in terms of the vaccine requirement, we got that right. We made that decision quickly and we enacted it. But in terms of kind of op smaller operational decisions, we've gotten so many wrong. Um, and I will say, I probably shouldn't say this, uh, there's a, there was a little hubris, right? So we had a very successful last year. We came, June came around and the uh, virus rates of infection were declining. By July, we were all outside unmasked, doing things. And so we made programmatic and operational decisions for this year without, I, I, I really fault myself with this. Whereas in January of 2020, I was watching so carefully what was happening in schools in Asia. In June of uh, 2021, I wasn't looking as carefully. And had I, I would have seen Delta uh, and its transmission, and I would have 
been on the phone with those heads. And I, yeah. I, I wasn't. And again, a little too much hubris. And so we made decisions that now we're, we are trying to fix decisions that we made that weren't exactly right. They're smaller. They're operational. The kids are fine. School's operating. But we could have made better decisions. And I, I reflect on that wondering, you know, what were all the factors? Was it just exhaustion or was it, you know, again, a little bit of, of we got this, which I, I don't like to admit, but... But also, you're speaking to the relentness of leadership is that, you know, as soon as you take your eye off the ball, something can go south and that it's not the same every day. And and some of the same, you have to be that person, you have to be caring, you have to show integrity and there's some consistency. But then also being able to stay focused is is such a demand. And having had to spend the past 18 months with so much uh, fear and concern you know, it's understandable that, you know, we, we, we get tired, but, you know, a reminder of the importance of, of sticking and, 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 and sticking with it is, is very important. Yeah, I, may, may I add just one thing to that? And this is something I learned I didn't know when I started as a leader, but I certainly know today. Um, and I'm really quite happy I learned this lesson. When you get it wrong, you just have to say it. You have to say, I got it wrong, and now we're going to do, this is what we're going to do. And I, I would say that lesson became quite clear um, in the spring of 2020 with the renewed racial equity movement, where for things under my leadership and prior to my leadership, I had to say, we got it wrong, or we could have done this better. Um And I think it's important to say that out loud because I'm just a human being. We're going to do the best we can. And sometimes we're going to get it wrong and we're going to have to start all over again. So back to your point, uh, it's relentless, but you you make the best decisions. And then when you get them wrong, you just have to name it and fix it. One can imagine if you're the more consistent you are about being caring and commit to the community, the more trust there is when you admit to the mistake. And that in lieu of the, and if you don't do the, the caring first, trust is harder to, to generate. I think you're spot on, spot otherwise, it's, it just, it's just words. Yeah. Yeah. Before we let you go, you know, as you think about how you have integrated caring, character, commitment to community, into your leadership style while managing crises over the years, what advice would you give your younger self? Okay, so my very much younger self, which is much, much, much younger, I wish my younger self knew to kind of listen more carefully to decisions leaders were making and like understand, like just even quietly evaluate what I thought about those decisions, right? Have an opinion. I I don't, I can't think of times when I was in my early 20s that I was doing that kind of thing. And I I wish I had pushed myself to to do that. My less young self, (laughs) I would say um, to trust my instincts because it's, they're founded on decades of work in education. Um, And theoretically, if I'm listening to folks, then I should have developed the right instincts and, you know, be bold and be brave uh, and trust that folks will come with you if if you're making the best decisions you can possibly make. Well, thank you. So I always like to do this. uh, I do this all the time. What is the question you wish I had asked? Oh, 
<laughs> what? So the well, would I do it all again? I think you should ask that question all the time. And I think you know, and it really in terms of leadership right now in education, we're seeing that folks are really stepping aside because it's grueling, uh, and in many ways, it's no win. And yet. I think now is the time we need the most caring, committed leaders with character and integrity to step up, not to, to shy away. Um, and I worry about our, our kids, like if we don't, we need that kind of leadership. So I wish you would ask me if I do it again, I would all, I, I love the work I do. I feel very honored to have it. And I would hope that, that others would um, not step away or, or join us in this, yeah. this really important work. Well, it's what I, uh, uh, and you'll hear in one of the other conversations uh, that Julie Lawton, who's at uh, Beijing uh, City uh, International School, points out the, the challenge of, ex- of owning and accepting adult disappointment and distrust, who can communicate it in a way that's harder to accept than your, you know, um, very bright uh, 12th graders who, you know, yeah. are practicing themselves. Uh, and that that, I think, has uh, put a tremendous uh, burden on our leaders and, and in, a, in a world that has not as civil as it once, once was and will be again. That's, I think, what I hear. A lot of leaders are having a hard time um, accepting the, the, the fears and the anxieties of others that get personalized on their behaviors. It's a tough time. Very well said. It is true. Very tough times. But I, you know, I think that's a hopeful statement in a way as well. Tough now, but hopeful that we could all make it better. Well, great, Dana. Thanks so much for sharing time. I really appreciate that and look forward to seeing, seeing you in person uh, someday soon. I hope so too. Thank you, Hardin, and, and best wishes to you in your work, in, and in your work. Great. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Caring, Character, and Community, the podcast of the Center for Character and Social Responsibility at Boston University's Wheelock College of Education and Human Development. The development of this podcast is made possible with the generous support from the BU's Wheelock College of Education and Human Development and a grant from the Kern Family Foundation. Thanks also to Lizzie Barquet for her editorial and production work on this podcast. The music you're hearing is Bluesy Vise by Doug Maxwell, produced by Media Right Productions. I'm Hardin Coleman, and thank you so much for listening.